0: Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or anything that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. So this month, I'm diving deeper into the conditions of autoimmunity. You know, you've heard of these diseases. They're all really common, and the list is growing every year. More diseases are being recategorized as autoimmune. The American Autoimmune Association says there are more than 100 different autoimmune diseases or autoimmune-like diseases. You know, they're being associated closely. When you get one, you're at much greater risk at getting another and another. So some of these are like celiac disease, dermatomyositis, Graves' disease, even fibromyalgia is being looked at as an autoimmune-like disease. Hashimoto's thyroiditis, the most common cause of low thyroid function, interstitial cystitis, bladder inflammation. How many have that anymore? Multiple sclerosis, pernicious anemia, rheumatoid arthritis, Sjogren's syndrome, lupus, type 1 diabetes. We all know people who suffer from this. Last week, I dispelled two myths. First, that it's your genetics that determine you developing an autoimmune condition. You learned it's epigenetics, your diet and lifestyle, that determine your expression of many genes that determine your health, vitality, and longevity. And second, you learned that autoimmune conditions can often be reversed or silenced by diet and lifestyle. So instead of autoimmune diseases just being written off as something beyond our control, we can take changes. We can change things in our daily choices that can truly rewrite your health. Wow, i so powerful. Research supports that most autoimmune conditions are the result of epigenetics and often not knowing how important these foundational principles are, what I call the rules of biology, proper diet, lifestyle choices, we got to know them. When we can't break out of these rules that we've set for thousands, if not millions of years, you know, they've held us pretty well. We've got to break out of those. Okay, so now 21st century requires 21st century medicine. A whole approach that is holistic. It completely flips the perspective from helpless, you know, to empowered. You know, we hear that word a lot, but truly it is empowering in that you can take control. You also have the responsibility, and that's the best thing to help us fight autoimmunity. Last week, we also defined autoimmune disease You know, our immune system is designed to normally protect against all those substances like bacteria and toxins and viruses and cancer cells, anything that doesn't belong in the body and can cause harm. Your body's really good at understanding friend from foe before we start confusing it. Autoimmune disease has grown exponentially since we started confusing it starting in the gut and addressing the diet like we did last week in depth. Now, this week, we're going to cover stress, even childhood stress that can set us up for autoimmune disease. Stress-related illness is the biggest reason people go to the doctor. And as much as we want to ignore it, there is ample evidence that that body and mind are woven together in a tight web. You know, you flick a spider web in one area, and it is going to be felt all through the web. Okay, so nervous system. There's two parts of the autonomic nervous system, the one that kind of governs the automatic things like breathing and heart and blood pressure and digestion, immune system. First, there is the sympathetic part of that autonomic nervous system. It's also called the fight or flight response. When you're frightened, your body releases a lot of stress hormones to prepare you to fight or flee. You know, keeps us alive. You hear a bump in the night or you're walking down a dark street in a bad neighborhood, or back in the day, a tiger jumps out at you. Your survival depends on that stress response to get your heart pumping and your muscles ready. Ideally, when the stressor is over, we go back to the other part of the autonomic nervous system. It's called the parasympathetic. Also, the resting and digesting phase. Yeah, that's when we're at our healthiest that's where we're supposed to be most of the time. It's where we heal. It's where our immune system is balanced, our hormones balance, our digestion is regular, and we sleep like a log. What happens when you get stuck in that stress reaction, the fight or flight response while you got your finger stuck in a light socket? You know, as you can imagine, you don't heal well, All the energy is going to emergency stuff. Your hormones aren't balanced, you know, you're getting hot flashes and, you know, all sorts of, all the things that are associated with hormone imbalances. Your digestion is off, your blood pressure can be up, you don't sleep well, you're on the alert all night, 24 seven, and your immune system cannot balance properly. Studies have shown that chronic stress in the body's tissues, for example, the immune cells, Leads to inflammation, and that is associated with the onset and the progression of autoimmune disease. 80% of people with uncommon emotional stress report they have that before an autoimmune disease onset. You know, not only does it cause it, but it's going to make it even worse. Vicious cycle. One of my favorite authors. Biochemists, biologists, professors—I mean, this this man has, um, you know, his his whole background, his credentials go the list of your arm. Amazing. He's the one that actually proposed the concept of epigenetics back in 1990. He has a great analogy: when a surgeon is preparing someone for an organ transplant, they give the patient the equivalent of stress hormones to turn down the immune system so that patient won't reject the new organ. So stress, daily stress, when we're under all that emotional stress, it's like a drug. It suppresses the immune system and leads to all sorts of dysregulation. Okay, so today we're going to talk about three kinds of stress. Number one, the ongoing stress of 21st century life overloaded schedule, cell phones dinging at you every few minutes, keeping you alert to something's going on in the whole world that you gotta know about. Financial worries and insecurity, maybe too much caffeine, stress in the family or within close associations, friends, coworkers, you've got traffic jams, you've got, you know, the household, just running a household, appliances breaking, you know, running a family, keeping everybody here, there, everywhere. You know, may seem minor, but they still create the stress response. Second kind, major stressful events, death of a loved one, a divorce, moving, job loss, um, new mortgage, marriage. These are all stressors that are even predictive of a major negative health effect. Fascinating test you can take online. It's been around for decades. It's called the Social Readjustment Rating Scale. Okay, S-R-R-S for short. Thank goodness. If you've got, um, you know, they do a total up over 12 months. And if you've got what the equivalent is of 150 change units, you got a 30% chance of suffering from stress. If you've got under 300, like 150 to 299, you got a 50% chance. If you've got over 300 life units, you've got an 80% chance of developing a stress-related illness. But I have to tell you, These are just percentages of likelihood, and they don't have to be predictive. My husband took this test the year after we got married, and he scored about the highest score possible. Yet he has remained a super healthy person for one reason, because he's one of the least stressed and most even keel persons I know. It's all how we deal with the stressors, and I'm gonna cover that in a little bit. Truly, truly mindset, is underestimated in importance. Okay, third kind of stress, emotional trauma from childhood, deeply connected to autoimmune diseases and others even decades later. The term adverse childhood experiences, it's also called ACEs if you wanna look it up. These are traumatic things that occur in a child's life, especially if they don't have adult support. Before they're age 18, and they remember them intensely through their life. You know, it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be a sexual trauma. Children having these experiences can suffer from adverse effects their whole lives. You know, you need to have healthy adult support as a child. You know, if you don't have these, that experience can be toxic and lower your tolerance for stress throughout your life. You know, the high ACE score is linked to even early death, chronic illness, autoimmune disease, you know. So here's some of the studies that have come out of that. Um, 54,000 women over 24 years that had had some kind of trauma, three times more likely to develop lupus. Excuse me, a study of 2,500 Vietnam vets found that those that had chronic PTSD had a 174% increased risk for autoimmune disease, including rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, type 1 diabetes, uh, autoimmune thyroid, compared to those without PTSD. And it goes on and on. Graves disease, they associate that all throughout the time. So how do we learn to deal with stress? Well, you may want to check into counseling to help you resolve it. But there are some, a lot of techniques that you can use. And I have to say, this last year, I mentioned to a counselor, oh my gosh, has this stress of COVID caused a lot of problems? And what they said to me, it hasn't caused it, but it's brought them up. So seek out counseling if you need it. Absolutely. It it can have a powerful effect on the quality of your life. But tips for stress reduction and helping you build resilience. Number one, learn to say no. Sorry, no. And take control in the demands of your life. But also, when you are reducing stress, maybe start developing more resilience so you can handle stress in stride. Because, Life's going to happen. The unexpected happens. You could get fired, downsize, another COVID hits, lose a spouse. Life happens. You have to be resilient. Number two, like the flight attendants tell us, put on your own oxygen mask first. We as women, especially women, resist taking care of themselves first because we think it's selfish. You know, we want to give to others. But in fact, if you aren't your best, you can't do anything for anybody else. Beyond daily benefits studies show that two top strategies to lower inflammation, strengthen your immune system, increase happiness, and build a better brain is to take care of yourself. Number three, I love this one, utilize relaxation response techniques like breathing, meditation, yoga, and prayer. There is a study that showed that these kind of things reduce the need for health care by 43%. One of the fastest ways I know to reduce stress is slow, controlled belly breathing. What that activates That parasympathetic response, you know, the resting and digesting. I love the slow inhale with the extended exhale. That really resets things. It's quick, it's free, it's always available. Do it often, and you're going to be retraining your brain to relax quickly. Meditation, Powerful technique to rewire the brain so that relaxation is the default, okay? Meditation decreases stress, anxiety, depression, increases resilience, increases empathy, increases the size of your brain, the gray matter. (laughs) Let's do that. We need a lot more smart people around these days. Let's also, it's beneficial and produces immediate changes in the expression of your genes that are involved in the immune function. Okay, number four, prioritize sleep. Talked about it a lot. You need a good night's sleep to repair the brain, organize, reset, restore, regenerate. We all know that, but we do need to prioritize it. It is one of the foundations. I had to be a real student of it, and boy, it makes a difference. Number five, move more. Sitting is truly the new smoking. Sitting more than four hours a day, lack of movement is associated with greater incidence of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancer, and early death. Consistent, moderate exercise 30 minutes walking, cycling, swimming, I don't care, move, and it's a powerful buffer against stress. Number six, spending time in nature, really important, lowers cortisol for up to a week. Number seven, social connections. Loneliness or social isolation, like we were told to do this last year, increases both your risk for early mortality and immune function, but is probably even deadlier than the obesity that it's linked to. So go for a walk, go to church, you know, anything together strengthens the immune system. Then the next thing, number eight, forgiveness. That is also really, really important. Forgiving of others, forgiving of ourself for not being perfect, you know, maybe more powerful at reducing the risk of clinical depression and improving health markers related to inflammation and autoimmunity. So there you've got it, stress and autoimmunity. Whether you have an autoimmune condition or not, addressing stress in your life is by far one of the best ways to improve your health, well-being, and quality of life. Take heart knowing that when you're proactively engaging in these relaxation responses, you're improving your immunity, repairing damaged tissue, and becoming better able to deal with future life's inevitable stressors. So last week, autoimmune diet, AIP, the protocol I talked about, great for overcoming stress and active stress management like we did this week going to do a lot to help restore your health. Next week, we're going to be covering toxins and autoimmunity and why we need to take a holistic approach for treating and potentially reversing this epidemic disease complex before it's too late. Thanks for listening. And if you want to listen to this or anything else on my website, you can do that, debford.com. I'm doing a lot on social this month, a whole educational series by email and a webinar on autoimmunity, all sorts of ways to help you get the health you deserve. Fabulous. Okay. Have a fabulous day.